You're listening to the Podcastle and returning for the second time, my good friend, Mr. Michael Tingle. How are you, sir? Great, buddy. How you doing? Well, you see, Michael, it makes no difference to me what a man does for a living, but uh, this business of podcasting, it's, uh, it's a little dangerous. We were talking You're about asking. The Godfather before the show. <laughs> I think you and I, I think I would hope most people uh, are big Godfather fans, but I know you and I are big fans. And I want to ask you, I have a theory about The Godfather. It's either you love the movie or you haven't seen it. I don't know anyone that's like, I hate that movie. I get people that don't understand it the first time because you do have to watch it a lot to really get the whole scope. But like, how do you not love The Godfather? Actually, um, I won't name names because I don't want to bring harm to anyone. (laughs) But I have known people in the past that have either quoted it as overrated or have Mm. simply just not liked it. And Usually with any opinion that that person will give me afterwards goes completely mute. Of course. If you don't like The Godfather, I mean, there's just something wrong with it. That's my, that's my point. Like I, my theory is if they don't like it, if somebody says they don't like it, they're either saying it to cause a riff or they just don't understand it and they gave up. Because it, like, what's there not to like about it? It's like, it's perfect. It's a perfect film. It's a perfect film. Great acting. And it was one of those movies they didn't think would even do well. They thought it would be like a piece of crap when they were making it, like uh, the studio and stuff. They didn't, they didn't bank on Al Pacino a lot. He wasn't really established that well then. It, right. you know, it could have went either way. And uh, I mean, just from beginning to end, the, the, the folklore surrounding The Godfather and the making of it and the characters and the quotes, it's, I, I can't think of a movie that's on that level ever. No. And, you know, Francis uh, Coppola, he, he fought for all those guys, man. Yeah. Yeah, he brought it, brought it together. I mean, opening scene, Brando with the cat, which, by the way, that cat was a stray on the lot that he just yeah. found and, like, brought in. It's just, it's perfect. Yeah, I mean, the, could, because the cat trusts him. You know, here's the stray cat with this powerful man, and the cat's just sitting there taking it all in and uh you know the cat doesn't know it's like the cat knows nothing of the evil that resides in the man to the cat he's just a warm welcoming figure which is kind of the which is exactly his draw to the humans around him, you know, in the film, you know what I'm saying? Right. It's a good parallel. The cat even more perfect. That's a good point, cat, actually. Yeah, cat, because the cat just sees just sees him, and and he rolls into a comfort area with uh, Don Vito. Right, and he, and it, it and it works. You know, it's like one of those mm-hmm. little nuances that make it. Um, you read a book recently about the Godfather, haven't you? I did. I did. I actually have it here. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. Leave the um, gun, take the cannoli. Which, uh, as I said, there's also, I, I just found that going to be a mini series on Netflix, I think. Um, the Offer, which is actually about the producers' um, struggle to get the movie made 
versus the Italian, um, what the hell were they called? The, the uh, Institute of Italian Americans. Um, oh, like the NAACP for Italian Americans thing? Like basically, Italian yeah. Defamation League or something? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't you know, they, they, they stuck their nose in to make sure that the word mafia wasn't used and stuff like that. Well, apparently there is a movie going to be on Netflix, or a miniseries called The Offer about that very thing. Oh, hell um, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't the mafia and, only used the word in Godfather 2 when Michael goes, whether it's La Cosa Nostra or mafia or whatever you call it when he's at the Senate hearings? I, it wasn't the only time that word was used in, this, in the trilogy. I believe so. Yeah, but uh, the book I had just seen the book a couple months ago, and uh, I paged through it, and I, I always wanted to pick it up. Picked it up. Um, it was really good. I mean, I knew a good amount of it, but there were a lot of intricacies I didn't know. Um, I highly recommend it. If you 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 know, leave the gun, take the cannoli by uh, Mark Seal. Um, That's great. And it goes through, uh, you know, all the casting struggles and their struggles with Coppola and, you know, Puzo's long struggle. I mean, he was barely, he barely had any funds to his name when he wrote the book and just kind of wrote it for money. Um, he, he had been working in a pulp, like a pulp fiction writing, um, establishment. Oh, really? And, um. He finally, he was trying to always make that masterpiece. And you know how that goes. You try to write the perfect song. Um, it doesn't always work out that way. Right, so you need that lightning in a bottle, those songs that just right. come to you. So he was finally just like, fuck it. Well, I'm, I'm just writing this for money. So, and what do you do when you write things for money? You put some violence in it, you throw some sex in there. Yeah. And um, so he oversexed it, he overviolenced it up. And uh, wrote, um, he had a lot of um, actual documented stuff from uh, that were was going around the press, um, like uh, about the mafia and uh, like the, the, the trials that the Godfather 2 were, were based around. Um, that had become public knowledge around the time that he, he made the book. So he kind of threw whatever he found in. He had some stories too from from uh, his neighborhood, um, some you know hearsay stories. He threw that into so and what what became, you know, you don't expect to go out and write your masterpiece, and then there it is. Boom! There it is. And talk about writing a masterpiece. I mean, aside from uh, a cool story and a and a cool backstory with like the mafia and everything. The film's beautifully shot. The films are beautifully shot. They have great actors. Um, the locations are awesome. If you even if you look at Godfather One, you have New York in the 30s or 40s, I should say. You have Italy. You have Vegas. You have um, where else? Uh, uh, yeah, Italy, Vegas, California. They're in Los Angeles. I mean, it's just the stack of Reno. Right. Yeah. It's just yeah. it's everywhere. They go to Miami. Um, yeah, Cuba. Right. It's just yeah, I, hope, the I hope you all enjoy your cake. Because <laughs> <laughs> it had nothing to do with business. I'm gonna go lie down now. When I come out, if the money's on the table, I'll know I have a partner. 
If not, I'll know I won't. I still quote that in situations that don't apply to the situation. Like I'll be at home visiting my parents for Christmas or something. And I'll be like to my brother, I'm going to go upstairs and use the bathroom. When I come down, if there's another beer on the <laughs> counter, I'll know I have a brother. If not, I'll know I don't. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And yeah. I'm like, you got to brush up on Godfather. Occasionally, <laughs> occasionally I'll say to my dad when I go over to watch the Eagles or something, do you like the football, Michael? You like the as you turn it up the volume really loud. Yeah, I can't. Uh, the can't do it, Sally line. I, my dad and I will still say to each other, you know, I'd be like, Hey, we uh, think the Eagles are gonna win this week, and I'd be like, Can't do it, Sally, you know, something like that. Like, it's just those lines. Um, but I want to check out that book. What's it called again? Leave the gun, take the cannoli. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. It's uh, it, you know, you'll work through it pretty quick. It's uh, it's a nice read. No, oh, that's good to know. Uh, yeah. Also, too, that scene that that quote is from one of the maybe the most quoted quote in the movie that you hear, you know, leave the gun, take the cannoli. Um, a cool scene too. remember when they shot uh, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen The Godfather, it's too late. It's yeah. 50 years old. <laughs> but do you remember the uh, Statue of Liberty in the back? You know, you can yeah. see that like it's such a cool, it's such a well shot movie. And then that, all that was kind of like playing with the Statue of Liberty. Um, I just read that <clears throat> towards the end of that book that the Statue of Liberty is kind of facing away from them um, as they pull up and it kind of resembles uh, or symbolizes that you know like Paul like America kind of like turns on you and all you have is the people around you oh yeah yeah like you know yeah so not welcoming guess, you to America because you're you're uh, right you know. So it's funny all those all that like if the if the liberty built if the liberty was turned the opposite way, you yeah. know, it wouldn't have the same effect. And you know, Coppola threw all that stuff in there. You know, the same way with um, there was a lot of talk that you know with Michael, there was a lot of talk that you know obviously he wanted Al Pacino, but this the the suits wanted a more established name. You know, yeah, like a Robert Redford, or and you know, he was basically like, you know, this is the guy that this is the guy that is going to go away from the family and then be pulled back, you know, yeah, be pulled right. back in. You wanted him, he wanted him to look as Italian as possible, right. and I you know, even though there Redford are blonde southern was. Italians, um, it's not what he, he didn't want the Italian. He didn't want the, the, the Michael character to appear um, at all like waspy. Um, right. So, so he continued to push for Pacino. And the beat. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and, uh, um, for a while, the, the studio wanted, kept pushing Khan into the role of, of uh, James Khan into the role of, of uh, Michael. Um, but he knew what Francis wanted, and from the beginning, he had always wanted the main characters to be, you know, Brando, Khan, Pacino, Keaton, and Duvall. Yeah, and, right. And uh, so the studio kept pushing Khan in because they wanted Michael to come off, you know, a little taller, a little more rugged. Um, and he finally got tired of reading for it and just like walked out because he knew. James Conn 
wanted something else. And a friend of his temporarily got the role and threw like a party. Um, <laughs> oh, really? And he was at he was at the party and he basically told the guy like, dude, I'd, you know, simmer down a little bit because I know what Francis wants and, you know, this isn't set in stone. Yeah, this and is sure enough. Yeah, sure enough, before he signed the contract, the role was the role was given to Khan. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> not like your army days. You go up, you're not 500 feet away. You go up right into it, about a bing! <laughs> right the brains, you get your brains blown over all of your nice suit. The, uh, the, the, the detail in The Godfather, too, and uh, in, in, in all of them, but that really stands out to me is uh, the scene with McCluskey, the police chief, uh, or police captain, punches, uh, you know, suckers punches Michael outside of the hospital. Right. And like months and months or a year later, whenever he comes back, uh, you know, he still had the bruising because he broke his jaw and the black and blue. And uh, Sonny's like, oh, yeah, you know, that doctor did a good job on you, implying that he got work done on the jaw. You know, where a lot of movies, you punch someone, the next scene, they're perfectly fine. And it's like it never yep. happened. But that, you know, if you have a broken jaw like that, you're going to have bruising and maybe some permanent damage. Like they put a lot of detail into that stuff, which is great. And even it's a nice touch how. Like when he's at the dinner with uh, with Salazzo McCluskey, how he kind of like grits his teeth because he's he's still wired, you know. He's not, yeah. You know, I was like, what I want, right, right, yeah. What is of the absolute most importance? No more attempts on my father's life. What can, can I, I do, Michael? <laughs> what can I do? <laughs> is it okay if Mike and I speak Italian? Switch yourself and no subtitles <laughs> in that scene. Like it adds to it, you know. Yeah. Are you a Godfather one guy or two guy? Like that's always a big debate is which one is better. Do you have I'm a debater? I'm a debater because you know, Robert De Niro was like my hero for a while. Still kind right. of is, you know. Um, so um I watch I, I, I would always tell people that I think two is just as good, if not better. But being yeah. longer and all, one is a a better watch. Good point. Good point. I, I, I can get on board with that. One's more of a seamless better watch. The thing that with two is that the, the contrast of Michael and Vito, how one rises to power and how they, well, they both kind of rise to power, but how Michael, you know, causes this big isolation of him and, and how Vito is just kind of like, He's just the neighborhood guy. You know, he bumps off the, the black hand and, yeah. you know, everyone... Just to everyone, whip my beak a little. Yeah. Everyone's just kind of, like, cool with him. Yeah, he starts off with his little olive oil business. and Oh, yeah. Michael, it, on the other hand, you know, one of the best lines of, of, of the trilogy, you know. You've won. You feel you have to wipe everyone out? I don't yeah. feel I have to wipe everyone out, Tom. Just my enemies. That's Just my enemies. The, <laughs> I like the senator too, and he's like the Corleone, and you know, uh, I don't like your kind. And then he's like, uh, "I'll give you my answer now. My offer is this: nothing, not <laughs> even the license for the game commission permit, which I would love for you to pick up personally." You know, they give uh, the the thing with two is if they didn't have the. They have two is basically, as you know, two movies in one. It's the rise of Vito Corleone, and they show like his 
right. know, immigration to America and how we build up the empire. And then they, then Michael in the, the present day at the time, um, if it were just, I think, and I think that's brilliant. I think if it were just focused on Michael, it would not be nearly as good of a movie as it is. Um, right. But the fact that they, they threw that in there, um, that's the argument that I would say it's a better movie, but I agree with you. I think one's a better watch. I I'm partial to ones because it has Marlon Brando and it's iconic, but, uh, two overall, I think is like a better film. It's just, yeah. Yeah. And let's be honest, it's it's six hours and 40 minutes of perfect filming. It is. Yeah, you can't anyway, beat it. Anyway, you slice it. Three often gets shit on. Um, it's, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on three? I um, Honestly, I feel like if three wasn't the follower of one and two, it would be a little better received. Yeah. Right. And my, I, that's my what I think. With, yeah. Like it, it stands up on its own. It's okay. Uh, it, it, I would even say it's, you know, pretty good. Um, and it's a shame. It's not everything can be one and two. You know, it's like, you know, these it's directors, a- they can only make so many masterpieces. You, you know, everyone wants Stanley right. Cooper to make the shining and clockwork orange all the time. Doesn't always work out that way. Exactly, and yeah, I think three gets a raw deal because compared to one and two, you know, it's it's not nearly as good as them, of course. But standalone movie, it's good, it's entertaining, and I feel like it's a good bookend to the trilogy because you know it's it's kind of sad in the beginning. They're showing like the abandoned Reno, or I'm sorry, like Lake Tahoe compound, and you know the end of three where he's the old guy uh, in the chair. Um, and I, I feel like they did what they had to set in the time it was, you know, they're not going to do the Cuba thing anymore. They're not going to do uh, the, the, the rise of the mafia. Like they did something different. They threw in like right. the Vatican and stuff like they, it was, amb- it was an ambitious film. Uh, I think it, I think it deserves more credit than it gets. My one thing about the, the fall of three is that if it had done better, I feel we were robbed of a fourth one centered around Andy Garcia's Vincent. I think oh, that yeah. would have been pretty cool. That would have been cool. But since that kind of didn't have the effect that one and two did, I guess they didn't, they had talked here and there about writing another one, but it never came to be. So well, as right. it is, Andy Garcia was a pretty cool character for one movie and it'll just have to stand on its own. Yeah, exactly. I love young Andy Garcia too. I really do. Right. I mean, I like old. I love old Andy Garcia, <laughs> but those like films he like The Untouchables. You know, George Stone. Like that, he's great. Stone. At that. That's your name, is it? What was it before you changed it? Just said better than you, you stuff Irish pig. Oh, I like him. Yeah, I like him too. <laughs> I like him too, Giuseppe Petri. <laughs> well, why do you want to be a cop? To uphold the law and the citizenship and the property. Okay, all right. <laughs> He doesn't have a lot of lines in The Untouchables, but uh, no, he's good. great film. Though. Oh, I love it. Well, I just watched that the other night. It, it's, yeah, I think I watched. I might. I might not respect that. Uh, the, I respect me. I might not respect the intervals before you should watch something again as much as I do. I watch Untouchables a lot. I probably watch that every like three, four months. It's, I see it on, and I'm like, it's just such a great Why movie. Not? Yeah, it's fun. But uh, but yeah, Andy Garcia well, is a great officer. <laughs> How do you know that? Who claimed to be that? 
who is not. Hmm? <laughs> Once you open this door, there's no going, you're in a world of pain. There's no going back. Give me the ax. Uh, yeah, that's- I want him dead. I want his whole family dead. I want his house burned to the ground. I want to go down the middle and piss on his ash. Which, which is funny because in real life, Al Capone did not try to kill Elliot Ness. He ordered his men not to go near him because no. of the heat that would bring him. And Frank Nitti was also not thrown off a balcony either. No, no, he survived and was running yeah. numbers for years. Yeah, he, 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 yeah, he became a big, he actually grew. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got from what I read. Yeah. Enthusiasm. Uh, that's right. Enthusiasm. Historically accurate or not. You yeah. Know. Grand goes up to bat. What's that? He is by himself in the field, part of a team. Oh, yeah, part of a team. Teamwork. Uh, that is a great movie. Um, yeah, and Bobby Day. Bobby Day's great in that film. Oh, yeah. You talk yeah, like that, you talk like that in front of my son? Fuck you and your family. <laughs> Fuck you and your family. <laughs> Enthusiasms. Enthusiasms. Man's got to have ambition. Yeah. But that is, you know, Elliot Ness was a sad kind of story. He uh, he ended up, I think, becoming an alcoholic, and he died like penniless. He was not like doing well in later years. Right. People forgot about him until pretty much the Untouchables TV show came out in the '60s. He wasn't like this revered hero that he is today in some circles. Right. Kind of. It's crazy. But, uh, but yeah, back to the Godfather, real quick. Do you hold? How do you rate The Godfather next to like Goodfellas and Casino um, in terms of like mafia films? Um, they're all great, but all The Godfather great. is, you know, Crown Jewel. The Godfather is Citizen Kane and whatever other film you want to consider for best picture ever. Oh, yeah. You know, to me, it's the best picture ever made. Same. And it, it's also always rated number one or number two. It's like Citizen Kane or The Godfather. A lot of times Godfather, I think IMDb might have Godfather as number one now, like best movie of all time. Right. It's just up there, you know? So uh, I own the trilogy. It's nice to put those on once in a while. And you're like, you you remember how great it is. Do you, um, anything that that always sticks out in, in, in your head, any negatives? between one and two that you would either change. I mean, they're, they're almost perfect films, but oh yeah, um, there's a few things that I've caught um, as the years have gone by. Um, oh yeah. One, the timeline between one and two bugs me. Oh, I love, I love your timeline theories. I'm excited. <laughs> well, now, if you notice, uh, because it's all documented, they have the, uh, they have his grave site, right? Um, his grave site. I forget what year he dies. Um, Vito at the end, they show his memorial. Right. Um, doesn't quite add up with the numbers that you see when he starts off life in Godfather two. You know what I'm saying? Because he died. He, uh, whatever that date was 47 or something like that. Right. And, okay. And it says that he was born in like 19, 19- one or something or or, but it doesn't really match up that he he should have been and man i don't know why they they screw that up it seems like something that um would have been pretty easy 
Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It was. Uh, I'm trying to find it, but yeah, the the time it didn't match up because he was supposed to be much older when he died. Right. Got it. That makes sense. I wonder if that was a big oversight from like was that based on the book or something, and they like they overlook that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't remember if they mentioned his date of birth in the book. Um, but they, you know, they mentioned in the Godfather too. But a lot of the events, of, did you, have you ever read the book? I have not. Mario Puzo? Yeah, I, I no. recommend it. It's a fun read. Um, it's changed around a little, but the general, they, they stuck true um, for the most part. Um, but a, a section of the book uh, is um, actually about the stuff that you see in Godfather 2. Um, and some of it's pretty fascinating. But in that section, I don't recall if they have his birthday. Yeah, it looks like in the book it was 1887. But they okay. changed that for the movie. Yeah, 1887 he was born in the in the book. But they switched that out, and the timeline doesn't match up because if he was born in the movie and whenever he was in still in Sicily, or yeah, Sicily when his mother was gunned down in front of him, right? So like he obviously in the film he came over, but if that's Ellis Island that Italian immigrants coming over, it would have been later, I think, like a few years later, wasn't it? Like pre. World War One when that was going on. I, I don't know. I don't have all my fa- my history facts straight with that. Right. But, yeah, me, me neither. But it doesn't match. Yeah, there's something that's off about it. This kind yeah, of my, thing happens every 10 years, 5, 10 years. You know. Yeah, they're going to be scared to death of you, Mike. You know, we never said we was really proud of you and all, you know, being a hero. Uh, here's a Father guy to go too. blow out a police captain. <laughs> <laughs> going to New Jersey? Um, Maybe. <laughs> it's funny. Um, um, I think most people kind of see Robert Duvall as like the good guy, right? And this is another thing that. Yeah, right. But really, he is at the forefront of two of the worst acts in the book, or in the book, in the movie. Yep. In the, I should say in the movies. Yeah. Because, I mean, he had to have been the one to give the order to slaughter the horse, albeit on the on the Don's orders. But but still he was the guy in charge there. Right, but still he's there. And then he's also the first guy to come onto the scene when they frame the senator for that murder in the in the whorehouse. Right. I thought I get a healthy senator. <laughs> yeah. I thought- hey Hagen, I, I I I I didn't do anything. It was a powerful scene. You're absolutely right. And Hagen, they, they paint him to be this, like, you know, the lawyer, the voice of reason, but they allude to, you know, a darker side to him when he's talking about, like, he has mistresses and things like that. And, uh, right. you know, uh, it was well, you know, he was the only one that really agreed when Michael suggested that he shoot Salazzo and the captain. And um, when Michael first brought it up and he's like, you know, we got people on the newspaper, don't we? Yeah, we do. It just might work. Like he was kind of for that plan right away. When on right. paper, you're like you're like a war hero. You're not involved in this. Like, why would you suggest that? That's that's crazy. 
you know? So you're right. Yeah. He did have his hand in these like dark spots, especially the horse head. Um, yeah. Cause that was a, that was a snap decision. If you look at the timeline, he's at dinner and, you know, thank you for a lovely evening. If you can have a car, take me to the airport. And they would have to do it like right away that night when he goes to bed. So right. he left there and he got Rocco or I, I don't know, whoever was with him to, to do that and set that up. <laughs> uh, it's a great scene. And uh, when, when he's talking to the Senator and he looks over and I, I think it's Al and Al's like wiping his blade or whatever. And he just looks at him. He's like, <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? What are you doing? Was it a you're still, you're still oh, cleaning the utensils? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Michael, I really don't know. Uh, yeah, they are. They are great, though. He, uh, I like, uh, I like Michael's henchmen too, like Al Neary and Rocco and stuff. They're always yeah. hanging around. Like, Al, can you get him a drink? He's kind of <laughs> like, whatever, you know. Um, you know, I think yeah. the ink on your divorce isn't dry yet. You're getting married. You getting married. <laughs> the the things. I don't have really have any flaws, I guess, with the movie. The timeline is a good one. I would say um, in two, maybe one as well, Fredo and Connie, they're painted as the weak, you know, obnoxious siblings. I felt like they could have limited some of that or kept it to one. But the fact that they're the only ones left and they're both like screw ups, um, you figure one of them would probably be a little bit more sensible. You know what I mean? Like right. Connie's an alcoholic. She's runs around with different men. She doesn't really take care of her kids. And then uh, Fredo is just this like bumbling idiot that, you know, I felt like they could have like kept that to one. It might've been better, but you know, it works. Yeah. Um, I feel like uh, Connie kind of redeems herself um, by the end of two. Uh, when Michael gives her the ultimatum, Right. You know, if you marry this man against my wishes, you'll disappoint me. That was a great scene right in front of the guy, right? too. Because right that guy, you, you, guy, he was such a, a such an opportunist, Connie's like then fiance. And to sit there in front of like a mafia Don, who's your fiance's brother, and ask for money is like, that's, that's shameless, you know? So he, right. the fact that he said that, it's like, wow, that, you like feel that scene, you know, and he's talking about him things. as if he's not there. Right. And it's one of those things you, you don't think he would do such a thing with the father. Hence, you know, you see, right. You pick apart the differences of, of how Michael and Vito do things. And, right. and, uh, I couldn't imagine, um, his, uh, that guy, I, I forget that character's name at the moment, but, I can't imagine him basically begging Vito f- for money. Well, Mike, right, exactly. on the other hand. Yeah. Yeah. They show the difference. The, the scene in the first one, the montage at the, the baptism scene where they, they whack out of the bosses too. If you think about how bold of a move that was, um, it, it's, it's such a powerful scene. You know, it, they, they could have went one way and had Michael you know, like whack one person out like Barzini, but the fact that he wiped out all of the heads of the family simultaneously, it was like a perfect con, you know, um, trying to say like consolidating his power in like this right. one scene that's supposed to be 
the symbolism, you know, a pure, you're getting your baptism, you're becoming like a Catholic, one with God, you're free from sin, you know, natural sin and all that. And then all of a sudden, Michael, as he's doing the lines, you know, like I do reject Satan. He's doing the opposite of everything that like the church is teaching and they're symbolizing there. And it, it's just such like a, a, such a cool scene. I think that's probably like my favorite part of the whole, the whole trilogy right there. It's just so powerful. Yeah. You the know? cleansing of the child as, uh, right. as uh, the one speaking up for him is, uh, is doing some pretty massive evil. Yeah. Um, I will say this too. I know Michael, <laughs> uh, uh, maybe I just love the character so much. I, I back him on pretty much everything he does. Oh, okay. Um, um, he made the right moves. They weren't always the best moves, but as you know, if you're a coach or a, you know, a leader of something, sometimes you're not always going to make the best moves or, or um, you're right may not be someone else's right michael Um, presidents and senators don't have men killed oh who's being naive (laughs) okay i love it as the he's been back for a year he finally goes to get her when he realizes oh shit i need some kids right yeah yeah he needs to that that was all that was too let's get married he needs some kids Uh, but you're right you back in like a coach or a leader you have to make tough decisions and you know, uh, he did the uncomfortable things that he had to do. Right. For the family. Even, uh, you know, Fredo, you're my older brother and I love you, but never take sides against the family again. Boom. He didn't warning. mean that, Mike. He's always doing heed that. Yeah, heed that warning, man. Oh, and yeah. When he doesn't heed the warning in two, you know what? I got no sympathy for you. Wait, and when Johnny you look- only took me here. When you look at how he came to be, right? Because he was just the war hero. Um, and in war, you just see your side against the other side. And there is no striking deals or anything. They're out to kill you and vice versa. Right. Um, so he already has that kind of set in his mind. Yeah. And now when he sees the five families, he just sees everyone that was against his father. Who and they tried to kill his father. They're eventually going to try to kill him. So he just obliterates all. It's rid of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would have done the same thing. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. And and also the uh, when you mentioned he did what he had to do. He he. If you look at after the events when he became you know the head of the family, the Godfather, um, he could see that. Vito Corleone's way of, you know, you build up an empire with the olive oil and New York, that was all going to go away and change. So right away, he's like, we're getting into Vegas. That's the next big thing. It's a license to steal. Let's get into the casino business. Like, you know, there's the parallels with uh, Johnny Fontaine and Sinatra. Like, let's, let's get out there. And uh, the Corleone family were were setting up shop. And that's why he moved the entire operation to Nevada, because he knew he couldn't, with ambitious as he was, he couldn't sustain that with you know, the judges and the, with the FBI, you know, becoming more involved. Right. It, 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 he couldn't just run like the illegitimate businesses, the trafficking and the prostitution out of the olive oil front. He had to like think bigger. Hence, like, what's the biggest thing you can do in 1956 for the mob? Get a casino, you know? That's like the biggest right. front you can have. So he was smart with that. Like, let's, let's get in there. This is what we're going to do. 
And he was ruthless with Mo Green. I mean, imagine you own this casino, which unless you're an idiot, you really can't like lose money on a casino. And then all of a sudden this guy comes in like, we're buying you out. What do you, what do you want? It's like, I built this town, but what are you going to do? It's the mob. And then yeah. you saw what happened. I made my bones when you were banging cheerleaders. <laughs> he was banging cocktail waiters two at a time. I got a business to run. You slapped my brother around. <laughs> he was very, I, I love Michael. Very to the point. Give her, give her to the band too. <laughs> yeah. Gets my right credit enough to buy you out. Get rid of the girls. I buy you out. You don't buy me out. <laughs> a casino loses business. Maybe we can do better. You think I'm skimming off the top? Like You're unlucky. Such a good scene. You got no it. Really, really make drive me nuts. <laughs> drive me nuts. Oh, you it take Freddie in because <laughs> it's so funny. You took Freddie in, Fredo in because the Molinari family on the coast guaranteed his safety. The Quillinari family bankrupt your casino. Now you want to talk business? Let's talk business. Yeah, let's talk business, Mike. It's cold. Colonel family doesn't have that kind of muscle anymore. The Don, the, the what does he say? The uh, the Godfather's sick, right? The, the Godfather's sick, right? Yeah, it's it's funny too when Fredo betrayed Michael because he felt he wanted something for his own for his own with Johnny Ola and setting him up. Um, not only is Fredo bad at lying, but it shows you how bad his judgment is. You know, like he didn't understand the omerta and the oath. Like, and it's your family. You're in. They're right. Your brother's in charge of your family, both figuratively with the mob and you know he's the patriarch of the corleone family to betray that just shows how like not only fredo was weak as a child but how like feeble-minded he was with his judgment to do that kind of stuff like what did he think was going to happen yeah like that he would take over like it was just it's just such an interesting character uh john Cazali. he's a great actor who was a great actor yeah died uh way too early yeah, bone marrow cancer. Yeah, poor guy. Yeah. Um, that scene in Havana, though, where Michael finds out it's him, you like it's so gut wrenching, you know. He just puts his head down, and you're like, "Shit, Fredo's done." Yeah, you yeah. Know, he turns is- his back, and like you really kind of feel for him, man. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, talk about heartbreak. Uh, I know it was you, but um, yeah, Godfather's great, man. Forever, you know. I'll tell you what, though, you mentioned heartbreak. There is one heartbreaking scene that gets me almost every damn time. And it's, it's a credit to the greatness. And it's simply, I want you to use all your powers, all your strengths. Oh. I don't want his mother to see him like this. Look at him. My boy. Oh, that is, like, that gets me every time too. Man. Every time, because he, he's Every- he's he's trying to keep it together, you know. With uh, I want no inquiries made. Like right when he finds out Sonny's murdered, mm-hmm. he's right away thinking like, "Here's what we're gonna do right now to like stop all this from happening again. Like this ends today." And then when he sees him, you know, it's it humanizes him where he says, "You know, look, they massacred my boy," and you're like, "That is a father who just lost his son in right. that moment," and it's super and he, sad. He's like fighting back tears. And st- Golly, my boy. Oh. He's, he's great how it, he goes up and down with his strengths and his like feelings like they humanize him with that scene but then you know when he has to like 
whip his dick out and show like how tough he is. Like the, the meeting of the families where he's like, I think right. he should hang himself in his jail cell. Then I'm going to blame some of the people in this room. And uh, he's like, you know, this ends today kind of thing. Um, yeah. Really just multidimensional. Great character. Yeah. I mean, the power. I mean, this guy was barely alive and he still had that. <clears throat> pardon me. He still had that power. Yeah. Still and, had that uh, respect. One of the best shots of the film is the, and, and this is all, this is all Coppola, I guess, with the fade in to him from the horse head scene. Where he, oh, 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 yeah. And it just, it just slowly like fades into him. You're not too tired. <laughs> and it's like, man, that's power right there. Oh, Brando yeah. Was, these are, Brando these are flowers one. from Johnny. Oh, take them away. Uh, yeah, when he when they fade in after the horse head, and he's just asking, "You're not too tired." It's like it was like no big deal. You did what I asked you to do. We're moving on. Like, good job. You know, Walt was also an idiot too. To have that kind of uh, vendetta against Johnny Fontaine, you know, that would be like I don't know. I'm making this up off the top of my head, but say it's like 1990, and John Gotti sends somebody to like some producer some the spielberg and was like hey put uh keanu reeves in this you know you <laughs> probably should just do it you know if if somebody that powerful is just just wants you to give a role and clean up your union troubles and right. you know not leak stuff about the stars or whatever uh it's just a movie at the end of the day sure you hate the guy but like yeah I, I'd, I'd probably cave in and be like you know what i don't want to get killed so we'll put him in the movie it's not like he was directing it he was like a producer. Right. So it's not like he would have to see this guy every day if he didn't want to. He just, right? He just owned the studio. Yeah, he could, and he could have really just made it a shit movie. Yeah, he could, he could have pulled some, some punches or, or maybe switched directors. He really could have, could have screwed Johnny up. Um, I mean, they make, what, 20 pictures a year back then? Who knows? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. They could have afforded out, one like, bomb if it would have. Uh, put a, a stay i mean that johnny was apparently on his last leg artistically anyway and right. that movie uh got him back going yeah it was supposed to be like frank sinatra and from here to eternity how that like jump started yeah. his career or they say it is or they say it wasn't but it, it was but uh, oh yeah no that know. was huge and then frank uh prior to from here to eternity he just did a bunch of like him and gene kelly films you know on anchors away and shit you know him and gene kelly just dancing around and oh yeah he wasn't really taken serious as an actor and then um near oh. eternity kind of changed that and then right. also uh he had his success late you know right around the war time yeah and then a little after the war he kind of fell even musically and uh right you know that there is that story that goes around and that from here to turn, he did just kind of push him back up and he left his one record label, um, moved to Capitol records. And, uh, for the next 20 years, I mean, he, you know, became the Frank that we all know today, I guess. Right. Right. That defined him like during the war and stuff. He, and he tried to get in to fight, but he couldn't, he was denied because of some medical issue. I forget what it was. It might've been here right. or something, but, uh, he, um, like the Bobby Soxers, he was like the Beatles of the forties. He was like huge, you know, like packed halls and things like that. And right. then, you know, he kind of, his voice was kind of changing and it, it, 
you know, the, like you said, from here eternity revitalized it, and then all of a sudden he's back in movies and um, doing his thing. I've seen a lot of his movies too. Uh, he isn't a bad actor by any means, you know. No, I love from I'm, I love Frank. So me too. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, when he died, yeah, uh, this was like 90, 98. Um, yeah, they they had the internet, but it was still kind of pre like everyone had it. So. Uh, I went out and I bought every like magazine I could find of him on it. They had like special edition magazines. I mean, when he died, it was like Michael Jackson dying at that time. It was huge. It was just celebrated yeah. everywhere. And I still have them. You know, I was really glad I did that. Uh, we probably have the same magazines. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You went out. Yeah. They were yeah. selling like the grocery store. You see them at like Clemens or, yeah, it was, or whatever. Uh, 98, the summer I graduated. And I remember I. I went on a. I went out to San Francisco that summer. I had like three different Frank Sinatra magazines with me. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so good. But yeah, the, the Johnny Fontaine thing really, you know, helped do it. Uh, Billy's own Al Martino. Al Martino, yeah. Yeah. You know, Mike. You know, I do anything for my Godfather. <laughs> How often do you revisit the Godfather? Do you watch them a lot? Or do you like? You give it time. How, what's your like policy on that? There's no time. <laughs> Just whenever you get the itch. There's movies I usually watch at least once a year. Um, you know the holiday films, obviously. It's a Wonderful Life and all that stuff. But um, there's and you know Star Wars. Anything Star Wars, I usually go back to every however long. Um, oh yeah. Uh, the Godfather is one of those. I usually don't go more than six months or so without sticking it on. Right. I'm with you. I'm with you it on the Star Wars to, thing, too. It's on AMC or something like that. It just stays on. Yeah. I deal with commercials. There's not going to be anything else better on TV, so it stays on. stays on. I, I rewatched... Um, have you seen The Irishman on Netflix? Yeah, I love The Irishman. Yeah, it's a great movie, you know? Uh, I get it. It's a little long, but felt like that dominated the whole conversation about it was ah it's so long i'm like hey most of you most of you folks binge watch like eight hours of the show in a day like it's in perspective it's right. not like it's not crazy you know it's not like a 10-hour movie um no it's it's fine and then like i said i mean it's perfect film so you you're gonna want to keep going back to it, it and feels you know, like hey, home, i don't that? know how you, what your time frame is, but I'm, I probably watched it for the first time when I was right out of high school. So I was probably about 18 when I first saw it. What the and, Godfather? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. I still catch things, you know, 20, almost yeah. 25 years later. So Yeah. You still pick things up, you know, yeah. which is a trait of a good movie. One of the traits of a good film. Uh, I, I saw it. Um, I was younger. I think we had it on like Betamax or something as a kid, and I was never like allowed to watch it. But I think right. I did watch it when I was like eleven in the basement, like just by myself. And I, I didn't understand any of it. I just thought some of the violent scenes were, were cool. I, there's no way I could appreciate it at that age. And then I was like, I think sixteen or so when I like watched it and really started to get it. Um, and I've loved it ever since. But even up until this day, I will pick up on stuff that I didn't realize or I didn't notice before, which is great. You want 
funny story, you know, when I, when I first, I rented it. Um, so we didn't have a copy of it. I rented one and two on separate occasions. Blockbuster? From whatever. Blockbuster video. Wow. Of course. What a difference. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I um, love it. But, um, and it was on the old VHS, right? So I, I, I got two and I loved one. So now I had to see what the second one was all about. So I stuck two in and it instantly goes right into it. You know, he's about to kill Finucci and all, you know, the black hand, all that stuff. And oh, yeah. thinking, this is great. You know, then the credits, <laughs> the credits rolled because, you know, back then it was two, two VHS for a four hour movie. Sure. And I thought oh, you, you effing idiot. <laughs> I, I watched the second disc. First. Oh, and uh, it was okay because um, it was still. Yeah, great. I can see that being okay. <laughs> but when I got when I got done, I was like, "Oh my god, you idiots!" I would have done something like that too. I went through the sixth sense. The <laughs> What's that? I drank a lot back in the day. Who knows? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's something I would do. I walked into the sixth sense right at the plot twist at the end. There was it was playing in doylestown's one of the theaters and it was playing on like three screens because it was so like popular right and i walked into the wrong thing and i was a few minutes late so i figured it was just the opening scene and i see the scene where they find out you realize he's been dead the whole time and i looked at my buddy zach and i'm like Did we is this really fucking happening and i was like <laughs> oh that just ruined the whole movie for me like now we know you know like, right uh, <laughs> so i get to put it on the wrong wrong tape or whatever that's a good segue because I know you and I had talked about this before um, for people to be on the lookout because it is the 50th anniversary of Godfather one. Yes. And February 25th to commemorate, they have remastered it completely in ultra 4k Blu-ray or whatever. Oh, hell um, yeah. 4k um, digital, I guess. Uh, and Dolby surround sound. So the, um, the ultra Blu-ray is coming out March 22nd, but February 25th, a couple Fridays from now, uh, AMC theaters will be showing it. Probably not all AMC theaters. Um, I checked my local one and it looks like there are three showings and, um, there are actually some people that have already, uh, purchased tickets. I see. So, Oh, hell yeah. I'm going to have to get on that. And, uh, I was worried that being in the Dolby and all was going to be um, a little more pricey. It's not. So um, I highly recommend, I'm sure you highly recommend um, listeners and all to, you know, go check it out in the theater. Well, you have ago, to. How could you not? Absolutely. I'm looking now yeah. to see if it's going to be playing near me. I'm sure it is like LA. I'm sure. sure. Yeah. But, it's, but yeah, um, it's a one day, one day event, Friday, the February 25th. Like I said, the the one around here, there's a showing at noon, like four o'clock and eight o'clock. Um, you got to do it. You got to do it. A couple of years ago, um, Turner Classic Movies they they have a series where they put old films back into into the big screen, and I noticed that it was coming out. Um, I, I guess it was about five or six years ago now. And I just kind of looked at my wife. And I said, I don't care what you say. You're going to see this. Oh, you have she, to. Yeah. She had not seen it at that point. And um, I said, you know, whether you like it or not, whatever, 
you know, just it'll be like a little date night. I will stop asking you to watch it if you don't like it. I won't make you watch the second and third ones. Um, and we went, and of course, she was enthralled. We watched the second and third ones, and she's been an avid fan ever since. Oh, there you go. See, it just takes that one time to crowbar it right. in for someone to watch it. That's exciting, too, to watch yeah. The Godfather with somebody new that hasn't seen it. You're kind of like looking at them, making sure like they're into it. And most people are just like, wow, that like blew me away. Like, that's such a great movie. Right. You know, my wife saw it for the first time with me a few years back. She, she loves Goodfellas and has always loved that movie and quoted it. So it's funny that she like never really watched The Godfather. But when we first watched it, um, same, same kind of scenario. You know, she became a fan. She's like, wow, that's, this is incredible. I'm like, yes, awesome. it's not a lie. It's a very good movie. <laughs> not as good as the timeline in White Christmas, but it's up there. No. no. It's funny, yeah. you know, Goodfellas, man. Women love Goodfellas. They do, don't they? They do, man. I did, I don't, I, maybe it's the style. Maybe it's, I don't know. But yeah, woman I know loves goodfellas it, that same here it's funny because you would think that like you know it's more of like kind of a guy movie a lot of violence and you know they're not exactly treating women with respect in the movie like it's mm-hmm. it's uh it's it's interesting but that's true i mean i love my, goodfellas my mother i mean i can remember when it first came out and you know obviously it was racy and it was different you know things are always different when they first come out yeah um, but you know down the line you know mom was like a big avid fan of it oh doesn't everyone just love goodfellas oh yeah yeah i remember hearing my mother talk about that for years was that oh i didn't say anything yeah no i remember when that came out and i was like oh goodfellas is great like it's so violent you know it's it's uh just like one of those movies like for years it's like you got to see goodfellas remember when i first saw that too i think i was like 14 15 maybe maybe 16 i don't know but we rented it and watched it with a few friends and well it's the best movie ever you know like this is great um i went to a wedding in october in new york uh in long island a buddy of mine's wedding and um we stayed at this hotel that was right next to the diner uh in goodfellas the um the scene where it's just like you know they just stole my truck can you believe that can you fucking believe that in this day and age (laughs) Uh, not the diner where De Niro is sitting in, but the other right. diner, you know, where they're outside and, and uh, smoking, like when they first reveal them, Henry Hill older. Um, so that whole time I was like, and I just saw it too, when we were driving, I was like, that's the diner. And I Googled it. And I'm like, that, that was the filming location. Uh, such a cool, cool scene. It, it, and it is right that's next awesome. to the airport, you know, like it's, it's funny. You know, what's funny about that movie, man, is, and I, I guess this is again, the director, Marty. Um, God, man, when you, by the time you're done that film, you're like finished. It is, it is one of the most exhausting films ever because yes. you just went this guy's whole life. And man, by the, by the time he picks up that paper, you're like, oh, <laughs> egg noodles and ketchup. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, it, it wears you down. Yeah. Ugh, it gets it goes downhill very quickly, you know. Not the film. I'm saying it's this exciting time growing up, and he's on fire. And then, like, once the drugs come in, and you know, by the end of the movie, he's selling, you know, mortgaging this in-laws' house and sleeping with a gun. And they're, you know, they're just 
out of control, you know? Right. It's crazy. I yeah. pick up stuff from that movie too that I don't that I pick up over the years that I didn't realize, you know? Right. Little things here and there. Yeah, well, if I could hits. live that way. <laughs> she used to spit on her own floor. I never I never got that. Their, their clothes were all put together and cheap. A lot of three knit suits <laughs> and double knit suits and their their makeup was just their skin was bad and Karen. <laughs> only yeah, you know, who goes to, to prison? Only guys want to call. She did it to get away from Jeannie. You know, it's funny the way he explains things. It's great. I, I, I always go, I'm still going to go out, not without your cockies, you're not. We, we, my wife and I quote that all the time. I'm like, Jen, I'm still going out. She's like, not without your cockies, you're not. I'm still going out. That's a great one. That's a great flick. Um, it's interesting, too, because those, it's not Goodfellas, you know, a true story uh, about that crew based on a true story. Right. They're not like, uh, I'm glad that they show it kind of bare, you know, cuts and bruises. And it doesn't have like the honor, it, you know, there's no like honor and code like the Godfather where, you know, it's just very, they're more like thugs, right. you know, in a crew. And I think that works really well that they Marty shot it that way. And the story's that way, you know, they don't have the, the soundtrack <laughs> is music from the time. It's not like a symphonic score where you know it was it is what it is and i think that's why it's such a great movie, right you know and both work for both i mean i wouldn't change either any of the music in goodfellas it's just like i wouldn't change a note of the godfather's score exactly not at all you know especially like the the uh the italy scenes you know when he meets apollonia that music's awesome oh yeah yeah the god the godfather waltz theme the the music mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Speaking of timelines, I, I have a timeline issue with Goodfellas that I wonder if you ever thought of. Because you're like the timeline guy. You can smell a plot hole a mile away. I don't like bad timelines. But it, what's that? I don't like bad timelines. Goodfellas is a flawless movie for the most part, but there is a timeline. Do you remember when they killed Billy Bats in the bar? Yes. Yeah, you know, you know, keep him here. Keep him here. Go to your fucking shine box. You know, they kill him in the bar. It's June, whatever, 19, whatever. It's in June. Remember, they say that on the screen. And then six months later, they're like, we got to get the body out of there. He's like, Jimmy, it's been six months. Like, I don't care. I don't care. We got to get it out tonight. They're building like condos there. So that would have placed it in December of that year. Right. The day after, he's with a wife beater hosing out his car. Now, if anybody knows anything about temperature and the East Coast, in Queens, New York, in December, you're not outside with a wife beater. I don't care how sunny it is. You're just, it's just too cold. And it's right. like this beautiful sunny day in the trees. So the timeline's off of that. Little inconsistency. Yeah, not it doesn't take away from the story or anything. It's just a detail, but. It, not uh, to mention that ground might have been frozen at that time, depending on what kind too. of winter, what kind of winter that was. It was um, upstate. So it was probably colder. Because remember, they like they had to drive it upstate. Right. I don't care. We have to go up there. We have to get that out. Yeah. What do you like? Do the, we like the wing. <laughs> <laughs> How about a wing? <laughs> oh, that's funny. That opening scene of Goodfellas, though, in the car. I mean, that just gets you right off the bat. Yeah. To the montage. He's still alive, and the the sound, 
the sound of uh, Joe Pesci's knife going through Frank Vincent. Oof, oh, man. Okay. Yeah. What a way to start a film. That's brutal. I, I love all those movies, man. I'll watch Casino, Donnie Brasco. I even I have Gotti, the 1996 one with Armand Asante, the HBO. Right. Um, you know, it can be a little slow. I, they could have done things differently, but I feel like it's still pretty good. Yeah, they, uh, you know, it's funny. They, um, that was a big thing with, um, going back to the book, um, that was a big thing with getting this movie made was the failure of the mob movies. I mean, you had the mob movies that really hits back in the 30s and 40s with like Edward G. Robinson and James Cagney and Humphrey Bogart, all those, you know, oh, yeah. public type of films. Um, and then you really didn't have any. Um, right. Nothing really struck a chord. And they had, um, they had a few box office um, bombs um, like right before The Godfather was starting to um, be talked about as in making the movie. Um, yeah. So, and part of what they were trying to do, and for the most part, they did it minus um, a few of the actors was that all those movies back in the thirties and forties, they kept the tradition going of not using Italian actors. There was a lot of like Jewish and, and like, Bro, you know, yeah. Actors. A lot of wasps and stuff like right. that. Um, so for The Godfather, they felt that they had to cast Italian-Americans in the roles. And even right. so, they had to get an Italian-American to direct it. And so they, there weren't many of them. So they, they settled on Coppola, who was virtually unknown um, at that point. He, he had a couple bombs himself. Um, yeah, true. But he was about to win a screenwriting uh, Oscar for uh, Patton. Right. The George C. Scott film. Yeah, great film. And it was his idea um, in reading. Actually, I heard this story before reading the book, but um, he didn't like that he didn't want to make it because I guess of the, the mafia um, issues with, with Hollywood. So he was talking to George Lucas, who was like his assistant at the time. And George was just like, you know, find something in the book that you like. And he was like, well, I haven't found anything. And so he was like, well, dig. So he went back to the book and realized that there was a genuine sense of family. And he took that from, from his Italian upbringing too. Um, this, this theme of, of family above all. And he really put that to the forefront. And one of the things that he found in the book that really stuck out to him was not at the beginning of the book. It was towards the middle. Um, not so much the middle. I will say 50, 100 pages in, whatever. Yeah. was Buenos Aires, I believe, in America. And he thought... Oh, perfect. Because of the whole family, basically sticking with your family over your country, who's going, you know, your, your family is going to be there for you. Your country may not. Right, right. You should. He should start off with that. So oh, that's brilliant, right? And um, and even when he got his cast and stuff together, he had them bond to kind of work out their family 
or with their family, their characters, um, yeah. dinners and shit. You wow. Know? He got that. From, that was like one of his favorite parts of the book. And then the parallels right. with his own life. So pretty awesome. You know, it's direct. It's awesome. Thing. You know, it's like the vision, you know, yeah. even, and you know, him and Mar- Mario Puzo, when he wrote the novel, always had Brando in mind for Don Vito. Oh, really? And then when Coppola read it, he also had the same, the same uh, Marlon Brando. Wow, that's perfect. Pretty neat, huh? What? How much do I pay you? <laughs> A cup of coffee. Then that hurt that your daughter would be suffering this very day. Uh, Bonacera is an interesting character too. You know, he he talks yeah. about what you said, the American dream. I come here, and all of a sudden, it's not as rosy as you thought. So you have to go to like the underworld for vengeance. You know, um, so that's a he's a very dynamic kind of yeah. brief, but but dynamic character in that sense, which is really cool. He didn't weep, but I wept. But I wept. <laughs> I weep. <laughs> um, that is yeah, it is great though. Um, I know it's getting later. I know we can wrap this up. I've wasted enough of your time, but I wanted to nah. bring up. You yeah, we talk about the Godfather. How dare you? How dare you? I wanted to bring up real quick before we go is on the last show, you mentioned the home alone theory about the pizza, uh, which makes perfect sense. So I went down a rabbit hole. I was Googling around and I saw somebody else posted a theory about the pizza. And I wanted to know what you thought about this. When the movie, they go, you know, some, one of the kids said, did you order the pizza? And they say, Buzz ordered it. And the theory was that Buzz purposely ordered, like, no cheeses just to piss off Kevin. Do you think that's plausible? Or is that, just, is that too, far, too far of a reach? Um, no. Buzz is a sneaky little shit. I could see him doing that. Um, I just, thinking back, I never noticed that they said Buzz ordered the pizza. I didn't either. No, I'd have to rewatch it. And I, ha- I haven't rewatched it since. So that could be the lie. But my problem with that theory, though, is what you said before is one, you're going to order a bunch of cheeses anyway. Um, but if he did purposely ruin that, the order to make it, they would still be different prices, you know, because he at least got one cheese. So right. they wouldn't all be 12 bucks or whatever it was. So that's still like a good, your theory still holds up in that sense that the, the pricing's off with the amount of pizzas, unless there was a deal right. or something, which really wouldn't be the case. Right. Because you'd lose money if you were a pizzeria and you gave 15 toppings for the price of a cheese. You'd be losing like three pizzas there alone based on price. So I'll never look, watch Home Alone again and not think of that theory now. That p- those pizzas are dominating the Christmas talk. <laughs> it's, it needs to. It's a great point. And you're right. Anybody and, that you, you order cheeses, especially with kids, there'd be more cheese than any other kind. That's the thing, too. If Buzz was really sabotaging, he could have ordered zero pizza or planes. Right. Or he would have did something to Kevin's pizza and do it. Like, I don't buy the he's sabotaging it because the whole family would have been suffering, you know? Right. I don't know. And also, Chicago has a very distinct brand of pizza. Oh, yeah. We're on the table, which, by the way, we're not all gone. Um, no. As they were. Um, they were not Chicago-style pizzas. No. 
They oh, were they, East Coast style pizzas. Yeah, they looked like they came from Nat's Pizza in Doylestown. You know, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't Chicago style. It's a good point. And that Nero guy, little Nero delivery guy, <laughs> nice tip. Well, do you remember what the tip was that he got? Did they say know, it? I, I managed to give him like forty bucks. Yeah, yeah, it was probably enough. And then when he comes back, he's like cheapskate, you know. Like he he's expecting more of a tip from this place. Yeah, that's funny though. Like, what a turd, man! He goes in, instantly from up. Oh, great tip to the next time he's at the house. Cheapskate. Cheapskate. Like, yeah. Like I I don't know about you. Sometimes when I'm at at a bar for a, a long period, like maybe you're at a wedding or whatever, like yeah. you may drop that ten or twenty or whatever it might be into the bar. Definitely. Know, yep. Like that first time around, but after that, you know, it's usually nothing or one or you know, it's less, right? Right. So for him to expect, you know, whatever he got all the time, it's kind of rude. It is rude. I agree. And I'm with you on the wedding thing. I always make it a point if it's, you know, a pay bar is I'll get a drink because I know, you know, I can drink. I'm an Irishman. I enjoy enjoy drinking, especially at weddings uh, Mm -hmm. with dancing. So I'll always go up and get a drink and I will give, you know, like a $10 tip. Make sure they see it like, hey, you know, this is for you. Just because usually if you do that, they take care of you tonight. They don't water down your drinks. They, They know what you're having. You build like a rapport where like a lot of people wouldn't tip. It's like, you know. I'm sure they're going to serve you anyway, but I always, always feel like if I don't, they're going to water down the drinks or something like that. So yeah, I want, I don't know. And they're I mean, working you, hard. Yeah. You want, you want to make it known like, hey, you know, I may forget this later, but here, here's a tip. If I come around later and get a beer and don't leave anything, don't get pissed off at me. Right. And I feel like that's a good system where they won't, they know that you, you took care of them and most people aren't tipping at a wedding. I, w- I mean, I think I would hope most people are, but you know, not everybody's leaving 10 bucks for a drink. Right. So I feel like that there's a kind of a mutual understanding where they're like, all right, I remember this guy, <laughs> especially at a crowded bar. I'm not really at crowded bars a lot these days, but nah, me yeah. But when I used to like be out in the scenes, like Liam and Cooney and all those guys, uh, I'd always like give a tip, pretty big tip so that they would recognize me and I could like weave right. through and not have to wait like some idiot, you know? They take care of you. I was always good to hang out with you too. We all we all hung out. I know it was like a bunch of parties and a lot of it was yeah, probably yeah. a blur, a lot of drinking. But anyway, um, I think that'll be your time today. Unless you had anything else you wanted to add. No, I'm good. We talked about everything uh that we mentioned, like you know, the godfather and stuff. <laughs> good good topic on the godfather, too. Yeah, that's a good good choice to bring that up. But check yeah, out the yeah. book, right? Leave the gun, take the cannoli. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. It's by Mark Seal. Okay. And uh, I, I purchased it at our local uh, Barnes & Noble. Um, so I imagine it's uh, pretty easy to find. Um, and also, uh, Blu-ray, March 22nd, February 25th, Friday, um, in the AMC theaters to check your local listings. February 25th, check your lo- local listings. Um, right. I'll have to let you know how that goes too, and vice versa. We'll have to like see what yeah. you think about that. I've never seen it on the big screen. Yeah, it's um, like I said, I've had a lot going on here, so I, I hope to get out to it. Um, I'm going to try, but if I don't, I don't. Um, yeah. But uh, God, it's and if you, 
if you uh, have Facebook or anything, you could probably look up. Well, I know you have Facebook, but you could probably look up um, a preview for the restoration. And uh, man, it looks awesome. Really? Yeah, like they really did a wonderful job with it. I can't wait to see it. Oh, I'm going to check it out. That's cool. Thanks for sharing that. I, I don't think I've heard about that or haven't yet. So, All right, but that'll be your show. Mike, thanks for coming on the show per usual, sir. Awesome, Mac. Always good seeing you. Good to see you, too. Good night.